welcome to the first edition of Crosstalks, a podcast series by the UT Austin Portugal program that will walk you through the wonders of science business collaboration. We'll be exploring emerging topics in the areas of advanced computing, medical physics, nanotechnologies, and space earth interactions as we delve into the program's groundbreaking industry driven research projects. Have you ever stopped to think about how advanced computing is present in your life? Did you know it has a key role in anticipating natural hazards, combat pandemics, monitoring the effects of climate change, or even strengthening national security? The term high-performance computing refers to the processing of extremely complex problems using the aggregated computational power of several computing systems running in parallel. Identified by the European Union as a strategic resource to accelerate industry, its innovation and competitiveness, high-performance computing has great application potential in a wide range of fields. Nowadays, the computational power provided by high-performance computing infrastructures and services is being used to support advanced big data analytics for fields as diverse as healthcare, agriculture, environmental sciences, smart cities, or fraud detection. In this edition, the program will have the chance to talk with some representatives from the Texas Advanced Computing Center at the University of Texas at Austin, which is one of the world's most advanced computing research infrastructures, the MIMO Advanced Computing Center, a Portuguese collaborative infrastructure to promote and support open science initiatives across supercomputing, data science and visualization, and Wavecom, a Portuguese company specialized in communication technologies with experience in wireless and internet protocol systems and applications. So it's time to roll out the red carpet for our special guests in today's episode. To start with Todd Evans, a researcher at the Texas Advanced Computing Center since 2013 and manager of Tax Performance and Architecture Group in HPC since 2017. Todd's research at Tech has been mainly oriented towards benchmarking and performance engineering in HPC systems. We also have João Paulo, an invited professor at the University of Minho and researcher at Haslab, one of the research units of Inesctec and the University of Minho. Joao's research is focused on large-scale distributed systems with an emphasis on storage and database system scalability, performance, security and dependability. He's also interested in using his research to solve complex data management challenges for cloud computing and HPC centers. Bruno Antunes is research manager and product developer at Wavecom, being responsible for the radio development branch. This department focuses on research in areas such as 4G and 5G cellular communications, next-generation network KPIs and broad-spectrum monitoring. Is also an invited professor at the University of Minho in the Computer Communications and Networks group. They are part of Big HPC, a three-year industry-driven transatlantic research project with the UT Austin Portugal SIL. So welcome Todd, João and Bruno. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation to participate in this podcast. I would like to start with a kind of thought-provoking question. <laughs> 
The presence of advanced computing in almost all scientific domains and socioeconomic areas is undeniable. However, this pervasiveness is practically invisible and so impactful. Todd, how do you think advanced computing is shaping our society and citizens' lives? Basically, all scientific fields and most industry now are using significant computing resources. Uh, this is because computing simulations allow you to apply models to real-world problems, which might require billions or trillions of calculations. Um, and this, of course, would take lifetimes to solve uh, these types of problems by hand. Um, I think of computing as kind of existing in, in four broad categories of approaches. Uh, you've got one, uh, the first one, traditional HPC. That's kind of what tech has specialized in historically. Um, these are traditional methods that are solving really big computational problems like um, simulating a hurricane, for example, or um, trying to do simulations of uh, proteins with their millions of atoms uh, wiggling or simulating the airflow of, around a plane. These are big, complex problems um, that require significant computer resources to solve. Uh, the second type of category that we see quite often is high throughput computing. And these types of uh, this type of approach uh, usually is composed of many smaller simulations, where each simulation produces a uh, probably produces a useful result in and of itself. Um, but you need to combine lots and lots of these simulations in order to get uh, in order to like reduce some uncertainty um, or uh, make the result practically useful. Um, so some good examples of these types of calculations are um, functional magnetic resonance image uh, analysis, epidemiological studies, genomics, um, drug design, even uh, analyzing data coming out of particle accelerators would fall under this high throughput computing, or it's often referred to as HTC computing. The third category um, is uh, services, so things like databases, websites, interactive environments, um, computing resources that someone expects to be able to interact with and get a, res a response, a low latency response. Um, and then the fourth type of category, which is kind of a mishmash of those um, three different categories, along with some new types of techniques, is machine learning. And this is showing up all over the place now, but um, traditionally it's been in language translation, you know, translating one language to another, image recognition, search engines, it's the stuff that makes Google go. Um, these often show up as a component in uh, high throughput workflows, um, high throughput computing workflows like an image analysis and drug design, but it's also becoming more common in HPC workflows. Um, now, all four of these categories are actually becoming more tightly integrated, and I don't see this trend stopping anytime soon. To use um, two different examples that are really rel very relevant to our times, um, a researcher, uh, Romy Amaro from uh, University of uh, California, San Diego, led a collaboration of researchers across the U.S to perform simulations of the uh, COVID spike protein. 
Um, these were uh, molecular dynamic simulations. So looking at how this, the, all of the atoms in the spike protein wiggle and change in time. Um, and their approach utilized machine learning and high throughput computing um, categories of, of um, computation to accelerate uh, these calculations. Um, and now the output of, of this uh, type of work is, there's all different types of um, outcomes and, and utilities for this, but for example, drug design might be one of them. Um, and a second uh, related topic uh, that has been running on tax systems in the, in the past year is epidemiological models of uh, COVID-19 um, and particularly predicting infection and hospital rates throughout central Texas. Um, these models were um, continuously incorporating large amounts of data from many different resources across Texas, um, and then making this data available uh, in a high availability uh, way to um, people through databases and website interfaces to those databases. Um, and then there's a lot of other examples too, uh, like um, Tech was involved in simulations of Hurricane Harvey and, and trying to predict the floods that resulted from the storm surges of that. Um, in fundamental science, uh, we were involved in um, the analyzing the data from LIGO to confirm gravitational waves and then a myriad of other topics. It's, advanced computing is everywhere now and I think it's here to stay. So in this context, what is the role of today's HPC infrastructures in the big data era and the biggest challenges they face? So let me start by kind of giving you the lay of the land, um, the, why thing, the, the reasons why things are the way they are right now in high performance computing. Um, the physical laws that govern current transistor technology um, dictate that we can't make the computers faster. What I mean by that is we can't really economically, at least, uh, in, increase the frequency of these processors. Um, but we can still economically speed up or perform more complex calculations in a reasonable amount of time by uh, taking advantage of what's known as parallelism. And with parallelism, the basic idea is you break a calculation down uh, into smaller pieces and then either run all of the pieces at the same time uh, to speed up the calculation or uh, maybe you can run a, a more a bigger or more complex calculation with all these different pieces. So parallelism is the approach that modern HPC infrastructures are using um, to increase and provide um, additional uh, computational resources. Now there's challenges associated with parallelism though. Um, it's, it's not easy. So for example, tax largest system Frontera has over 8,000 servers um, and in total over uh, 430,000 cores. So in order to utilize all of Frontera most effectively, you would want to break up problems into over 430,000 pieces. Um, and you'd have to synchronize all those pieces and also move data uh, between those pieces. And that's just not an easy problem. Uh, 
people do it. Um, we do it every day, but it's not easy. Um, now, another aspect of, of parallelism is that it's driving the increase of heterogeneity of architectures. So uh, graphical processing units or GPUs um, and other uh, types of accelerators that are coming out recently, they're essentially an approach to get lots of parallelism um, in one place, lots of parallelism out of a single GPU. So instead of maybe having 10 servers, uh, you could replace those 10 servers with uh, one GPU and still have the same amount of computational power. Um, now, this heterogeneity of architectures, of all these GPUs and accelerators is driving heterogeneity of the software that supports these architectures. So we have lots of different types of accelerators. There's even different uh, types of um, the CPUs, um, just your normal uh, processors. Um, and all of them have their own supporting um, software. There's different software uh, versions of that software. And it just results in this really complex uh, ecosystem that makes it difficult to build applications um, uh, to build the applications you need in order to run uh, the workloads um, uh, such that they're even able to use uh, the available hardware, much less make optimal use of that hardware. Uh, so for example, at TAC, we actually have multiple systems with distinct incompatible hardware and software environments. And we try pretty hard to keep um, a uniform software environment. Um, now, to move on to the challenges associated with big data and, and how that play, all, what I just described plays into that. Um, each of the four categories of computations I mentioned earlier actually have some aspect of big data to them nowadays. Um, those main challenges in big data arise in the heterogeneity I was just describing um, and also in IO. So let me just, talk about IO for a second here. Um, traditional HPC infrastructures are really good at outputting the results of large simulations at infrequent controlled intervals. Um, so they might be able to dump a lot of data and they just kind of dump it all at once. Now, the first challenge uh, the, is that uh, traditional HPC workloads are increasingly utilizing frequent IO. So lots of smaller uh, reads and writes to the storage backends. Um, so that's, that's tricky and that's something that we have to deal with. Um, and then meanwhile, high throughput computing, machine learning and service oriented computing approaches, the other three categories that I mentioned, uh, usually need frequent IO. That's almost part of the reason that they're classified as big data. Um, now this is a challenge because we need to be able to get that data to and from those thousands of cores uh, to, uh, that are enabling our parallelism somehow. Uh, the hardware and the network that provides that IO to the, to the cores is shared across all of them, uh, resulting in a very complex um, and sometimes fragile uh, system where uh, potential bottlenecks or what we often call congestion can easily arise when too many cores are requesting data from the same sources. And what this can do is really overwhelm 
or even uh, or just drastically slow down our, our current technologies. Now, the, the second challenge directly related to the heterogeneity that I was talking about, um, while HPC architectures and software environments are difficult to navigate for the first category of, of, of computational approaches, traditional HPC workloads, um, they're even more difficult, if not impossible, to navigate for a lot of the high throughput computing, machine learning, and service-oriented workloads, what we would traditionally uh, maybe categorize as big data. This is because HPC systems and environments are designed to be shared by many different users. Um, and what this means is that the compute resources on these HPC systems are typically allocated for predefined time periods and dedicated to a specific workload. So 10 servers for an hour will run some specific simulation. Um, big data applications um, often expect to have a dedicated, dedicated resources, resources that only run uh, their type of application and they're not necessarily sharing with, uh, with other users that you know, basically are strangers to them. Um, so uh, another aspect to big data applications is that they often expect uh, rigid software environments. They were developed on you know, some system inside Google and uh, they can't run anywhere else uh, or they can't be built and compiled anywhere else or maybe even run um, outside of that specialized software ecosystem. Um, so it can be really difficult to even port and get these applications, uh, big data type applications to run on uh, HPC systems. So again, the broad challenges for big data are um, IO related and uh, also the uh, difficulties of dealing with the complex hardware and software heterogeneity of modern HPC systems. Currently, several computing devices with high processing speed and large memory capacity from the European High Performance Computing Joint undertaking are under construction, such as the supercomputers Leonardo, Lumi or Deucalion, which will actually be installed in the Ming Advanced Computing Center. Joao, can you tell us what do you think is necessary to take full advantage of the next generation of HPC supercomputers? Yes, indeed, uh, Europe is betting a lot on building and deploying uh, supercomputers. And of course, the goal is to leverage these supercomputers to solve very complex and hard challenges, such as the ones that uh, Todd was mentioning. And the thing here is that uh, this is a nice thing, but uh, we'll have several different supercomputers. Um, these will have uh, different hardware in place and software running there. And to give you some examples, um, for instance, if we talk about the Deucalion supercomputing, uh, supercomputer that will be managed by Mac, the Minio Advanced Computing Center. Uh, this supercomputer is betting on a new type of processors, ARM processors, uh, which are not as typical as, for instance, Intel ones. And so this will require checking what applications can run on one type of processor or another. 
some of these supercomputers are betting on having uh, GPUs for the big data applications for machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence. And of course, this is also nice because again, it promotes um, a richer set of applications that can leverage the potential of supercomputers. And to furthermore, to even furthermore this heterogeneity, uh, the supercomputers will have different storage architectures to support efficient access to data, uh, to store it and retrieve it, which, uh, as Todd was mentioning, will be very important for um, this new generation of big data applications uh, that thrive on having lots of data and uh, retrieving knowledge from, from lots of data. And so, as a, what I'm trying to tell here is we'll have lots of supercomputers uh, in Europe or different supercomputers, uh, which is nice because uh, scientists and researchers uh, leveraging these uh, supercomputers can choose the best one, the one that offers the best features to run their, their studies and applications. Um, and this is also what is motivating the, this joint effort uh, to have interoperability between all these different centers and enable research, enabling researchers across Europe and across the world to access, uh, have access to these different supercomputers by, based on their needs. So this is good. But again, this uh, makes the problem of heterogeneity uh even more complex right because now uh we have several questions uh, and uh, as todd was saying in tech it's difficult to manage all the applications because they have different uh, supercomputers in place and the same is going to happen in, in europe right so if uh the, the important questions here are if one user uh, has one application that was compiled and optimized to run in one supercomputer, how can this user now run this uh, application on another European supercomputer? And even if it's possible to run this application, will it be possible to run it efficiently? Will the application be fast enough? Uh, is the application leveraging the different hardware and software uh, that this uh, other supercomputer is providing and if not how can we improve this uh, how, how can we make this possible uh, should a user be proficient in knowing exactly how to tune the application for different uh, centers should the staff at the supercomputing center help the user doing this and of course, this is, this is a possibility and something that has been done, but uh, we know that optimizing applications to run in different uh, supercomputers and with all these different hardware, it's a difficult task and it's doing it manually, it's, it's very hard. So for me, uh, one of the biggest challenges of having this joint effort and all this possibility to to improve the way we run our applications and the results we can take from them is the big question here is how can we uh, devise technology to aid 
uh, on the portability and optimization of these applications being uh, developed by researchers and the industry. How can we devise new technologies that can help uh, running these applications across different supercomputers uh, in a, an optimized fashion and to do it automatically instead of requiring uh, manual intervention, which is uh, very complicated. And I believe this is one of the key concerns that uh, must be solved in order to fully take advantage of the next generation of uh, supercomputers coming up. The big HPC project aims at simplifying the management of big data applications and high-performance computing infrastructural resources, integrating monitoring, virtualization and storage management components in a groundbreaking platform. I believe that one of the problems you'll have to deal with is heterogeneity in terms of hardware for large-scale infrastructures. How will the management framework for big data and parallel computing workloads that is actually being developed in the project operate? Bruno, can you elaborate on this? Um, as mentioned previously, um, we can pinpoint the two main issues that we're going to tackle um, with the increase of the, the usage of big data applications on these HPC platforms. From one side, uh, what we call these data-centric applications need to access and store huge amounts of data as efficiently as possible. So in this scenario, the big HPC project will tackle this with its new framework in development uh, by implementing uh, what we call the software-defined storage manager. Uh, this software-defined storage manager will have a global visibility of the HPC data center which is responsible to, to better handle and also alleviate the performance penalty uh, of having uh, what is the, the multiple number of requests being issued by hundreds to thousands of applications. Uh, these applications are competing for, for access to the shared HPC resources. On the other hand, uh, one other issue that we've been hearing about by, by, by Todd and also by João Paulo is the heterogeneity of the software being used and uh, along the software also the heterogeneity of the hardware. Um, as it was discussed, we have very different architectures in terms of hardware in these, in these HPC centers and also the software that it's uh, deployed by the users can take many forms uh, in terms of, of, of versions of types of software that is being used. So to, to increase and, and also to facilitate the usage of the different HPC systems and uh, uh, the, the heterogeneous stacks of big data applications, we are also envisioning a new virtualization manager that will be used to, to ease the curve of implementations of the user's software uh, by means of containerization. So this will allow them to develop uh, as close as possible uh, their development in environment while also providing a simpler interface for users to run and to profile their applications. Finally, combining and also adding these two components, a monitoring component that will ease systems administrators to audit their systems so they can also target misbehaved applications, for example, and will enable long-time profiling of their system usage. Uh, the users will also benefit from this component 
because it will enable them to to better understand what their applications are doing and also to try to enhance their their, their applications in uh, next iterations of the of the execution well we think that currently there is no no market alternative so the to, to what we are proposing with this with this project and what we are proposing to develop it along the project and we consider that big hpc will increase and facilitate uh, hpc utilization by many different types of users one of the most interesting things about your project is that it relies on an um, transatlantic team. So you have people working in Portugal, um, you have people working uh, in Texas. The consortium brings together different partners with different profiles, skills, and possibly even different expectations. You have researchers working side by side with engineers, entrepreneurs and business people. So how did you shape your narratives um, towards a common goal, which is the project success, you know, making the most of your differences and transforming them into synergies. So, um, currently we are reaching one year of the project. Um, we still get along very well with each other because uh, I think at this, this, this stage, we are currently mainly solving engineering research problems. So we, we, we share common goals and we are benefiting from the knowledge that each partner can bring to the, the project. Our, our, uh, our problems now are very, are very tangible and very, and very easy to, 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 to try to solve it or to, to research for it. The, um, the project from the beginning, we tried to, to, to combine expertise from different fields that's why we have, for example, INESC uh, is a research partner and with a, a long time expertise in the field of distributed storage. That's the, the area they are mainly contributing. Uh, LEAP also has, um, has a research uh, that, uh, that has expertise in, in traditional HPC usage and understands what is the, the HPC, from, HPC from the user side. We have TAC that uh, is uh, one, one of the world specialists in developing and maintaining uh, HPC infrastructures. And also MAC that uh, will be the, the, the Portuguese, the, the lead infrastructure for the, for the strategic, for European strategy in advanced computing. That, that, that's where the Kjolian will be installed. And finally, uh, us from Wavecom that we have previous uh, um, uh, previous knowledge of the monitoring of large complex infrastructures and that are also the the business part that will explore the outcomes of the, this project the technology you are developing will be available in the market in a few years time um, so what is the envisioned commercialization roadmap for the big hpc project well, um, Wavecom uh, as a company, the, its core business was uh, is uh, IP connectivity with a special focus on the wireless communication. This may take the form of wireless LAN, wireless WAN, or also wireless sensor networks. And uh, more recently, we are also providing some of these uh, communication infrastructure as a service. One of the areas where we see more and more the increase of production of big amount of data 
are sensor networks. Uh, these net networks can generate huge amount of data and we think are not being well taken advantage of. Uh, well, they have a massive potential to increase uh, the, the company's profit or the client expectation, reduce maintenance costs, etc. Um, the market focus for a big HPC project is to bring AI to the market in a sustainable way. And uh, we, we, we see it as a product for, uh, for example, companies that already develop uh, artificial intelligence on their locations and are finding the need to scale up their projects uh, and, 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 and will benefit from the use of HPC infrastructure. Also, one potential client would be HPC data centers that wish to monetize their infrastructure, uh, a part of what they are, it's their current usage. And also companies that are new to, to big data and are lacking the, the knowledge to develop or use tools that they, are, they, they even don't know. Um, a lot of companies nowadays are collecting data, we think, but not all are getting the revenue out of it. One of the things that I would like to know is how important has the UT Austin Portugal program been to um, push forward a project such as the big HPC? That's actually a, an interesting question because uh, the program was fundamental to for the project to to to, to born and, and to be uh, accepted. So the proposal for, for this project was born to, due to this program because this program was the way for us to have our initial interaction with um, the, the team from TAC and to find the right partners to write a strong proposal, having a funded project that could push the, the research and technological ideas we had. Of course, besides that, um, the, the program is also very interesting for us, uh, for the, the, the partners of the project to promote uh, the project and to promote networking with other researchers. And why is this important? Well, we can discuss novel ideas uh, about what is the state of the art and the challenges of HPC and big data. And we can have new ideas to, that we can bring to the project. Uh, also, the program is interesting because uh, we can use it to find new use cases and interesting problems, uh, even in the other areas uh, addressed by the UT Austin program, for instance, nanotechnologies or medical physics. And Again, these use cases can be nice because these are from a different areas, but we can see how supercomputing can help advance uh, these areas and how both, bo both areas can benefit from what we are doing on Big HPC. And finally, the, the program has also been useful um, given the, the training activities it provides. Uh, we have several members from MAC in the project that benefited from uh, training, previous training activities at TAC in the past. And finally, I think that the program is also important to help disseminate and communicate the, the project's uh, goals and outputs. Well, time went by really fast and I'm so sorry to say that we have reached the end of today's episode. 
Thank you very much, Todd, Joel, and Bruno, for introducing our listeners to the Big HPC project and help us improve our understanding of the broad and significant implications of advanced computing for society and our everyday lives. Thank you very much for being with us. We will return next month with the second episode of Crosstalks, featuring another successful ongoing science business collaborative project bridging Portugal with UT Austin. In the meantime, continue to visit our website and follow us on our social media channels. The Big HPC project is co-financed by the European Regional Development Fund through the Operational Programme for Competitiveness and Internationalization, COMPET 2020, the Lisbon-Portugal Regional Operational Programme, Lisboa 2020, and the Portuguese Foundation for Science and Technology under UT Austin, Portugal. The total eligible investment is €1,919,676, with a public co-funding of €1,717,468. The UT Austin Portugal program is a science and technology partnership between the Portuguese Foundation for Science and Technology and the University of Texas at Austin, supported by the Portuguese Ministry of Science, Technology and Higher Education in close collaboration with the Council of Rectors of the Portuguese Universities.